0: In the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. And then over to verse 15. Elijah said, As the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands, ...and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel... ...and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah... ...who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said... How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves, And let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull that was given to them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. There was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or busy, or travelling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. There was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two sears of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water, and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, "'Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, "'let it be known today that you are God in Israel "'and that I am your servant "'and have done all these things at your command. "'Answer me, Lord, answer me, "'so these people will know that you, Lord, are God.' And that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil. And also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks.
1: Uh, Before I begin the message, just a bit of uh, background. Um, For those of you who I haven't uh, met before or haven't met me, I came to faith through St. Baptist Church in 1971 and was a member of the church since 1972, over 50 years ago. It's not long if you say it quickly, is it? Uh, Went off to Bible College in 1981 and began uh, pastoral service after that in 1984. And uh, since that time have uh, served in a range of churches as a pastor and in uh, mission and in various aspects of mission throughout uh, Australia and overseas and recently, one year ago, have retired from full-time pastoral service. So it's a privilege to be able to be here today to share with you. Um, By means of introduction to this slide that is going to be up here, uh, we're going to set a bit of a, a, a background, not about the passage, but about ourselves. I'm not here to give you simply information but to help you apply the principles and the precepts that the Word of God speaks about for how you might live. Each of us has to choose which path we travel every day. Each of us has got that before us. You'll have personal crossroads that you need to deal with along the way. Those Crossroads are significant in the choices that you make. If you're willing to listen and to be obedient. The first one begins about salvation. I don't know, but in my experience of life, there are those within our midst who haven't made that that, uh, commitment to follow Jesus, to recognise that there is no other choice in life if I'm going to be with God. I can't do it on my own. I, I will never be good enough to stand in the presence of God. When we look at ourselves, we know that truth, don't we? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter whatever background you have had. You will only stand either as someone who is dependent upon God and resting in what he, and who he is, Or in yourself. We know there is no other hope. That's why you're here, even if you don't know him, because you know you can't do it on your own. If you're those who've already come to faith in Jesus, and most of you will be those who have come to faith, then the challenge is the process of our sanctification, becoming like Jesus along the way. There's a challenge every decision we make whether it's going to be about me or whether it's going to be about God. If it's about me and what I can get out of life, then we lose the opportunity to be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus. Jesus declares quite clearly that the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are those who find it. Do not be surprised that there aren't uh, millions of people in Australia who commit themselves to Jesus. That gateway is one person wide. Hanging onto Jesus is the only way you'll go through it. It's the only way... That you will grow in it. We are to learn ongoing dependence upon Jesus every day. Every day until the moment we leave this planet. Our body grows weak and weary and we come to be united in him. If we begin to look at the passage we're going to look at today, remember the context of this passage. Here is this man Elijah that you meet with in chapter 17. Out of obscurity, Elijah suddenly appears to declare to King Ahab and all of Israel that according to God, the Almighty Yahweh, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And I know that over the past uh, few weeks, Daryl has taken us through chapter 17. And if you reflect on that that time throughout the chapter, we hear of God's provision for Elijah during the The drought? Miraculous provision. And we hear of his impact on the widow of Zarephath. Uh, Miraculous provision of food, provision of the resurrection life of her son. We've come to see Elijah to this point as a man who wants to obey God. Uh, Later in his journey, uh, in chapter 19, you'll see that he didn't do it that well all the time. Jezebel scared the life out of him and he ran. And so I want you to see that while we will look at Elijah and think of Elijah, don't think of him as perfect, but think of him as a man who wanted to serve God. So as we look at this passage today, we see one of those aspects of Elijah as bold and obedient. And by his example, he challenges us in our circumstances. There's a pivotal point in this passage today, and it's in verse 21. Elijah declares, if the Lord is God, follow him. Follow him. That's why, as I've given this message a title, it's simply this, choose this day whom you will serve. And that's to be the very essence of all that we do forever. Choose this day whom you will serve. That's the challenge. That's what will continue to to make a difference to us. And Now, as we look at this passage, the the first um, heading that I want to give to that is what is our conduct? What is our conduct? And we'll see that in the life and the conduct of the hero of this, Elijah. Uh, Conduct, for those with a bit of an English bent, uh, we'll see that it comes from a Latin word that simply means uh, being those who lead. That's why our conduct, or who's a a conductor? Someone who leads an orchestra. Um, We conduct a meeting all right we lead with others we lead that and our conduct is how we choose to lead our life does that make sense how we conduct our life all right with that in mind i want you to see that the first thing that that shows us something of what was happening the conductor is king no the conductor is God, he's the one who's ruling this show. And so here is Elijah and God commands him, go to Ahab, go to Ahab. And you heard read in the passage this morning that Elijah obeyed. Simple, isn't it? Elijah obeyed. What might have appeared to you and I to be an intimidating prospect was accompanied with a promise. And I will send rain upon the earth. You do as I have told you. And the outcome is that there's going to be blessing to this nation. The drought will end. The the character forming experiences of the past. And the sure promise of the Lord. Enabled Elijah to move forward with confidence. Has that been your experience of life? As you followed? As you follow what God has asked of you to do. Have you then been able to take the next step of faith? And I look around and some I've known for 50 years or more. It's a long time, isn't it? And God has kept you faithful, despite all those challenges of life. The Lord does not send his servants unprepared for the task before them. He is with them. He will keep them. And his precious promises support He declares, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Remember that? What a great promise. As we get older, what a great promise. No matter what happens, no matter how bad our health. In this passage, the time given here, the third year, is not to be reckoned from the commencement of the drought, but from the event last mentioned. That was his time with the widow of Zarephath. In Luke 4.25 and James 5.17, we get the truth that the drought lasted for how long? Three and a half years. It was a good three-year period of time. And in this period, as you work that out, you'll understand that what God has declared continues to happen. Now, Elijah comes to confront Ahab so that the rain will come as God has promised. Uh, I don't know whether you're aware, but Baal had been given the Uh, the title, The Rider of the Clouds. Uh, But that title belongs to God alone, to Yahweh Almighty. Yahweh, not Baal, controls the rain. And Ahab and the people are about to know that. Um, In the the chapter, there's a parenthesis about Obadiah uh, and his service to Ahab. Uh, and Obadiah was probably, this Obadiah the author of the book of Obadiah, if you've read it in the Old Testament. But our focus today is not on Obadiah's distraction, his fear of his own death. Elijah simply tells him, I am going to see Ahab. You need not worry about that. Uh, Don't worry what you think will happen because of your story, and if you want to know that story, read something of that in the other chapter's uh, in their other verses before this, um, Elijah, as one who vows his obedience, does what he says. What happens to Ahab? Well, Ahab hears what Obadiah says that Elijah is after him, and he simply goes to look for Elijah. He went to meet with Elijah and what does he do he accuses Elijah of being the problem he says it's all your fault Elijah Elijah is the troubler of Israel we would never do that Adam would never do that would he it's this woman you gave me how many husbands have said that no sorry uh You see, we're quick, aren't we? To be those who say it's someone else's fault. Elijah is the one who is obeying God. It's Ahab, Ahab, who's the one at fault here. How easy it is to blame others. Ah, Ahab. Is the one, and the whole house of Omri, his parentage, who have disobeyed Yahweh's command and followed the Baals. It's not Baal who's upset, according to uh, um, Ahab's thinking. It's God who's upset. That's why there's no rain. It's not because of of, uh, of the Elijah's present. And how easy it is for us to interpret events from our perspective than to understand that the almighty God has something for us. What does God promise to us? He says to you and I that he will cause all things to work together for good to those who love me, those who are called according to his purpose. So what do you do in tragedy? Anyone had tragedy here? Um, some of you will know that uh, in my first time at uh, just out of Bible College, the wife I married at SNBC, Shelley, died. Was that because I was a terrible person and God was wanting to? It's not that way, is it? Uh, some of you will be aware that uh, my second wife, my lovely Susan, uh, suddenly had a what the 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 doctor said, was a failed death episode. Was that because she was disobedient to God? Not at all. Not at all. It's means by which we can test the truth of the goodness of God in the experience of life. You see, the evil wants to say to you that God is no good, that God is against you. He wants you to see the circumstances of life as being harmful for you. And God wants to say, as you follow me, I will do good. Here's the proof, my son Jesus. Does that make sense? Elijah is someone who is following God. He is not the troubler of Israel. The troubler of Israel is Ahab. It was the king's responsibility to lead the nation to be true to the covenant that God had made with his people, to to focus their attention on the the devotion to their Saviour, to their Lord, to Yahweh. But he didn't do that. And he's going to have it proved to him in this episode. So there's a challenge that now comes to them. There's a challenge that comes firstly to Ahab. Ahab had been the problem. Previous kings had been the problem. Preceding kings, people at large had broken God's commandment by their calf worship. They had forsaken the commands of God. Whenever anyone chooses not to do what God says, they are usurping his authority. Gee, I'm glad I never do that. Oh, no, my wife will be hearing me. You, are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? He who thinks that he's completely obedient is lying to himself. All right? We're not saved by our obedience, are we? We're saved by Christ's obedience, we're sanctified. By our obedience. We become more like Jesus as we do with that which he asks us. Does that make sense? You with me? That's really important. We'll talk about that in a little while. Parents, uh, you know the outcomes of what happens to your children when they don't do what is right, when they make the wrong choices of life. Ahab had followed the bar. He had introduced, and he alone had introduced the Baal cultus into the land and led the people away. Elijah's challenge to Ahab reminds us to insist boldly that any people who flaunt God's Lord throw uh, throw the door of their lives wide open to trouble, all right, and to be that for one another. The scripture reminds us that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. And he's told to gather the prophets of Baal and of Asherah at Mount Carmel. What were his thoughts as he heard a prophet of Yahweh ordering him, a king, to summon the people from all over Israel? Did he wonder what would be the consequences if Elijah was right with his condemnation? Did Elijah's boldness cause him to face up to his worship of Yahweh? The folly of Ahab's idolatry was already apparent. Even though he was hailed as the storm god, the the rider of the clouds, Baal had been unable to break the drought. So Elijah proposed something further. And the hardness of Ahab's heart was such that more evidence of Baal's impotence was needed. With this in mind, Elijah challenged Ahab to assemble the entire nation, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. Asherah is a fertility goddess who was considered to be the mother of Baal. Such an opportunity could not be ignored. Ahab readily complied. So Ahab sought to do as Elijah asked. So he sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And these two opposing sides, those who serve Yahweh, one person. Those who serve Baal, a nation, complicit. That's why the next challenge is to the people of Israel. That's where the challenge comes. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But
0: if Baal,
1: follow him. But the people didn't answer a word. They wanted to hedge their bets. How sad it is if the church today hedges its bets, eh? Serve God in the good times, serve self in the bad times. There's a challenge always. What does it mean to follow him? Jesus declared, no one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other or else be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. How long would you hesitate? How long? How long? That's the idea. Falter between two opinions. Between two opinions. Hesitate. The, The actual word is limp in the Hebrew. It's this idea of they're just limping along as a nation. They're missing all that there could be. Why? Why? Uh, the people had joined the king in thinking that you can have a synthesis between living for God and living for Baal. Hey, God's the, the God of our history. Baal's the God of the present. He'll give us what we need. He's the, the, the one that will make all of the choices for today worthwhile. It'll make life easier. Um, so the people say, let's worship both. Let's, let's serve Baal and Yahweh. He's the one that brought us into being, Yahweh, but Baal's the one who makes life look good now. Hmm. We can serve God and money. Can't, can you? That's our biggest challenge in the West today. You know why? Did you hear during the week that Australians are the richest people in the world? Do you know that? So designated by the world authorities because of the value of assets that exist for the average person. At what time in history have we been so spiritually poor? All right. The people of God says you can have both. That's what Israel said. You can have both. If the Lord is God, follow him. Does that make sense? It might cost you everything you have, but everything you have is nothing without him. It's all burnt up, is it not? What are you going to take into heaven with you? Nothing, nothing at all. The people said nothing. They said nothing. So there's there's now arranged a confrontation to stand and confront, to make it clear what the truth is, what reality is. the confrontation begins with the prophets of Baal. And the place is on Mount Carmel. Uh, It's not particularly clear why this mountain was chosen, It might be because it was near the Mediterranean Sea and close to uh, water and uh, that was possible. Some commentators believe that it was an area linked to bar worship and Elijah was taking the battle right into the enemy territory. Uh, A lovely, beautifully wooded mountain, uh, about 13 miles in uh, a direction leading to the Mediterranean Sea and uh, magnificent gardens as part of it. And the name Carmel means the garden with fruit trees. And so there becomes a proposal, and you heard that proposal read to you about two different systems. This is going to be an evidence for the people to see who is in charge, who has power. And... Very wisely, here is uh, Elijah, who allows the prophets of Baal. Notice no prophets of Asherah were mentioned at all. They probably hightailed it, thought it was wiser not to be there. They had a choice. They could begin. And now there's a there's a I think a reason why Elijah did that. Um, He wanted them to to show their futility. If God intervenes quickly, people often forget and say, oh, our God would have fixed that up. Do you know what I mean? Here are the prophets of Baal and they're in a position. If uh, Elijah does it first and shows the power of God, then the prophets say, oh, we could have done that anyway. But if he allows them to show that they can't, then he's going to show and prove that only Yahweh, the almighty God, is the one who's in charge. So the the proposal that he makes is agreed by them, uh, giving them clarity to show their failure. They didn't realise it. So the prophets of Baal go about their endeavours. They believed that their God was real. That's clear, isn't it? These prophets of Ba believed it. They didn't protest at the suggested test that uh, that Elijah gave them, uh, and they kept on. They were confident that there would be a clear intervention by their God Ba. And uh, 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 don't you love Elijah? Oh verse 26. What's, what's happening? Uh, what's he up to? Oh, has he, uh, has he gone somewhere? Let, let me uh, read that to you. Uh, call out with a loud voice, for he is a god. Either he's occupied or gone aside, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. Uh, you won't see it in the English, but in the Hebrew, He's off at the toilet. Alright? And, and so in, in the whole nature of this, he is with a great sense of understanding of the power of God and the futility of that which exists in the bath, is saying, it's not working, guys. You're not trying hard enough. They're devoted, so what are they going to do? They slice themselves, huge amounts of blood pours out because they know that they're they're showing their devotion and their love. It's just in the wrong place, isn't it? And what happens? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, Sadly, we can do that today. Uh, What makes a Christian fantastic? when he's excited about everything. Uh, Heaven forbid that someone should be serious about life. What makes a service fantastic? Full of activity. Full of noise. But it's not so, is it? It's about the presence of God in our midst to work in our hearts and change us. And can I say... Uh, you've been privileged to have pastors in your midst who want to see that happen. Throughout its history, that has been the case. Men of the word, men of the book. So Elijah's turn is present. Now, Elijah makes preparation. Unlike the prophets of Baal, his actions are calm, measured, And highly significant. In that preparation, he begins with the repair of an altar. It had come. I don't know how it got there. We don't really understand why it was there. But at one point, there was an altar that had been made. uh, Made for the worship of God. And he rebuilds that altar. How many stones Does he use? Twelve. How many tribes in Israel? Tricked you. I didn't say how many tribes in all of Israel. There's Israel, the northern, and Judah, the... How many in Israel? Ten. Got me? How many stones did he use? Why do you think he did that? to show that they are united, they are the called ones of God and that's what God had intended. And here they were, being away from the the way that Judah was worshipping, needing to come back to personal worship of Yahweh. Does that make sense? Called them to that. Carried them there. Declared his belief in the unity of the 12 tribes. See, the real problem was idolatry for Israel. The way to solve the drought problem was to confess that there's a sin problem. And so he prayed. This is what he says. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. His prayer was completely unlike all of the Baal worshippers. There's no great commotion here, no ranting, no raving. The prophet was primarily a prayer for God to glorify himself. Then the proof. What happens? Fire fell from heaven. And consumed the burnt offering. And the wood and the stones and the dust licked up the water that was in the trench. Everything had been done in the preparation to make it seem impossible for it to happen. He poured buckets and buckets of water all over it. Made it seemingly impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? So there's a confrontation with Israel. What happens when all the people saw it? They fell on their faces and said, "The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God." They humbled themselves. That's the first step to a passionate life with Jesus: to humble yourself, to recognize. Without him, you can do nothing. They acknowledged his lordship. Elijah's prayer was answered when they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Did you know they were actually saying Elijah? Well, sort of. Because they say, Yah is El. Uh, Elijah's name, El is Yah. Do you realise that? Wow. Here is the Almighty being declared. Um, Unfortunately, subsequent events show that uh, repentance never reached the extent that it should. Their action was to remove wickedness from within their midst. So they had to deal with the prophets of Baal, didn't they? Take the prophets of Baal, let none of them escape. And they took them, brought them down to the brook and slew them there. Apart that Elijah could never have done that on his own. This was in direct obedience to what the scriptures in Deuteronomy 13, 12 to 18 had declared what should happen to false prophets. This was the people of God knowing that they were forming and doing that which God had said in their midst. So we come to a conclusion of the message today. In our conduct, simply to do what he asks. For Elijah, it was to go and to do what God asked. For you and I, the greatest command God gives us is to love one another. You know that person who doesn't do the things that you like? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If if you show God's best for the people beside you, if you accept the failures of others who accept your failures, and he's granted to us as the people of God a commission that we too are to go and make disciples of all the nations. Uh, that's always been at the, the heart of Sunnybank, continues to be at the heart of Sunnybank. There's a challenge for us not to hesitate between him and the world. For the people, of God, then and now, Elijah's question remains, how long? How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. The Jews in the time of Ahab found it most convenient to go with the fashion of the time and to worship Baal. When a really critical moment came, there was not a man who was prepared to make a choice between truth and falsehood. They said nothing. Nothing. Until I believed in the power of God alone. The world is still full of compromise. Today it needs us to stand for him. Satan temptations still bring compromise. It's always been the way. Has God said this? Has God said this? So we need to continue to be people of the book. How essential to love and have faith in God in humility and purity. So we're left with the final challenge. Choice. Are we to be conformed to this world or to be transformed? It begins on the journey. Uh, I remember uh, uh, knowing of the baptism of. Can't think of your name with, the, in the second seat, oh, Lisa. Lisa. And your testimony, it's a journey that's begun. And it happened for me from a non-Christian background, just like you, where someone shared the love of God and the truth of God, and the Word of God made a difference. That's how it begins, to make the choice: are we to be conformed to the world's ways? or be transformed to be more like Jesus. That transformation happens every day, choice after choice. If it's true that life's great matters are not settled by a single act of choice, but by a habit of choosing rightly daily, then the challenge for us is to keep choosing God's way every day. Those of you who have done Master Life know that if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, what's that last word? Daily and follow. That's how the journey begins. That's how it continues. Our choices are to be his choice and not the world's way of doing things. Choose this day each and every day, whom you will serve. And this last slide comes up to simply say this. Remember, the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. That's not an excuse for sin, but an encouragement for humility and ongoing repentance and dependence. Let me close the service with a benediction you know what benediction means, don't you? Anyone know? Comes from the, the Latin meaning good word. This is what God's word to us. Now unto him who was able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his glorious presence, both now and forever. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to do something a little different and I'm just going to pray for us, not just with that. Can I do that? All right. Father, we're thankful for the wonder of who you are and I know you are good, wonderfully good. And as we spend time together, uh, fellowshipping after this service, may it be in a way which brings honour and glory to your name. Thank you for this church. I thank you so much for the part they've played in my life many, many years ago and the part that they're playing in the life of this community now and we trust in the days that lie ahead and we pray that for the glory and the honour of your name. Amen.